Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, listen, I'd like to start our Bible study off this morning with a quote, okay? Um, and it's a quote from an author by the name of Eric Sauer. You go, I don't really know Eric Sauer, but, but the quote, listen to this quote, right? Listen to it right. He says this, quote, The present age is Easter time, and it begins with the resurrection of the Redeemer. It ends with the resurrection of the redeemed. Between lies the spiritual resurrection of those called into life. End quote. I thought that was interesting. I thought you go, but I'm not sure what, what, what it means. Help, help me out here. Okay, okay. So we as believers, here's what, what he's saying. We are living in between two Easter's. Okay? Uh, Siri this morning told me that Easter time was four weeks away. Okay, you know that, that we, we go out and we're going to invite people and, and I carry invite cards in the back and hey man, you're invited to Easter and we, once a year, Somewhere around the end of March, somewhere around April, we celebrate what we call Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate Easter. Amen? But, but think about it. What he's saying, he's saying as you and I as believers that, that, that we're living right now in between two Easter's. Now, here, here's what I'll do. Let me explain. I'm going to explain this, uh, what I mean as we go through our text. Okay? So let me back up just a little bit. Let me help you out. The first 11 verses, guys, of chapter 15, we see Paul giving what we would call affirmation of the resurrection of Jesus, okay? You go, what does that mean? In your mind, you're saying the gospel message, and here's the gospel message. You ready? He says in, verse, in chapter 15, 3 and 4, now listen to it very carefully. He says, for I deliver to you, first of all, that which I received, here's the gospel, ready? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Amen? That's, that's the gospel. Yeah, amen, right? Now, that's the gospel. He's going to give us that affirmation. Now, remember, two weeks ago, we started this journey and we talked about how Paul says that we need to build what a solid foundation on the resurrection. We need to build a solid foundation of the gospel. That's what he's saying. And we likened it, now I want you to get your thinking caps on, guys. We likened it to building a house. If we were going to build a house, I mean, this is kind of what we're doing. Everybody's there. Where we've got our hard hats on. We've got our safety jackets. We've got our glasses on. We're going to build a house. What's the first thing we need to do? We need to build this foundation. Okay? We can't just put up walls. We can't just, you know, throw some two-by-fours together. And the first thing we need to do is build this foundation. And here's what we learned. We need to learn. The first thing we need to do is we need to clear out the debris. We need to clear out the rocks. We need to make sure that the ground is level. All the foreign objects, the branches, all that, they need to be cleared out. And the second thing we need to do is we need to mix the concrete, okay? Because we still can't put walls just on bare ground. We need to mix the concrete. We pour it into the mold, if you will. And then last but not least, we come and we finish it nicely. We finish it nicely. That's the affirmation. That's the foundation. Now, here's what I want you to see. It is essential to you and I as believers, that foundation. It is the very foundation in which we live. Guys, why? Because if we have a deformed, a cracked, a unleveled foundation, guys, then we're going to have problems building our house. And since we're building the house, and the house is the gospel, 
spiritually speaking, church, it's our lives. It's our walks. Listen, it's our beliefs. And, and what happens is, is that if our foundation is not level, if it's cracked, if, it's, if there's debris in there, if we left a rock in it, whatever it might be. Now, remember, it's the gospel message. Spiritually speaking, then our walks could be compromised. And here's what could happen, guys. We can be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine that kind of blows in our lives. But here's the greatest wind of doctrine that you might not even consider because it's not a, quote-unquote, theological doctrine. It's the doctrine of doubt, of unbelief. How, how so? Well, guys, stay with me, okay? Now, I'm not saying that if you have a good, solid foundation, there won't be problems in your lives, okay? I'm not saying that you build a house in the gospel and you won't have storms. I'm not telling you that you won't have trials or tribulations. That's just life, amen? We, we're going to have those. But what I am saying is if our foundation is compromised in any way, then we can have problems related to our faith and our beliefs. Let me give you an example. I don't know. You probably may, may or may not heard of him. There's a fellow by the name of Charles Templeton. Okay, Charles Templeton was born in 1915. He actually died in 2001. And Charles Tem- Templeton first professed his faith in 1936. So at the tender age of 21, he said, man, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Okay, he believed that, okay? And he became an evangelist that year. Now, again, I want you to think back at your conversion, how excited you were. And when you understood and you were born again, your natural was like, I need to tell people about Jesus. I want to, and that's what happened to Charles Templeton, okay? In 1945, Charles Templeton met Billy Graham, and the two became friends. Now, here's what most people said. You guys have heard Billy Graham, and you've seen many, many people come to know the Lord through Billy Graham. Charles Templeton was better, some say. He was more anointed, more dynamic. Charles Templeton was drawing 5,000 people back in this day. So he gave his life to the Lord in 1936. By 1948... Templeton's life and worldview were beginning to go in a different direction other than Graham's. You see, doubts about the Christian faith were solidifying as he planned to actually enter Princeton Theological Seminary. And in a decade later, guys, in 1957, he would publicly declare that he had become an agnostic. He got up in front of his church one day and said, listen, I'm sorry, I, cannot, I don't believe what's in this book anymore. I cannot preach to you. I don't know if there is a God. In 1996, in a memoir, he writes a book called Farewell to God, My Reasons for Rejecting the Christian Faith. Templeton recounted a conversation with Graham, basically at a Montreat prior to entering the seminary. And so what he says with Billy Graham, he's like, Billy, how can you believe everything that's in this book? How can you believe this is the foundation of your life? How can you believe, don't you see things around you? In our day and age, it would be, hey, hey, listen, Paul, don't, you believe everything in this book, but you have the contravirus. You have, you have the world going crazy. You have the government telling you what you can and cannot do. You really believe, if God was good, I mean, come on. And, and so... And so that was the beginning of his doubts. Later on, 
Lee Strobel, Case for Christ, interviewed him, and here's what he said. He goes to, uh, he goes to Charles Templeton and says, tell me what you think about Jesus. Now, Templeton's on his deathbed, okay? He's on his deathbed. He's getting ready to end. The life is over. He's, he's... Here's what he writes, and it made me sad. He said, he was Templeton. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus was the greatest human being who had ever lived. Jesus was a moral genius. His ethical sense was unique. He was the intrinsically wisest person that I ever encountered in my life or in my readings, end quote. On his deathbed, Chuck, Charles Templeton, was saying, all Jesus was was a really great man. You guys... Do you see somewhere along the line, the foundation of the gospel, the foundation of what he built his life began to crack. His walls were a little bit off, and and 20 years later, he goes, man, I don't know what I believe. I don't know if it's going to sustain me in on his deathbed who Jesus was. Now, listen, I want you for just a moment to think maybe what your deathbed looks like. And in the morning... When I rise, just give me Jesus, right? And when I come to die, give me Jesus. He's more than a good man. And again, I I just think about this. Here was a man whose foundation was off. Well, you go, what about Billy Graham? Billy Graham writes this. He says, I don't have time or intellect to examine all the sides of a theological dispute. So I've decided once and for all to stop questioning and accept the Bible as God's word, end quote. So our foundation, and and, and then so we said, okay, so what do we do with this, okay? Well, last week we discovered the consequences of denying the resurrection, okay? That's, that's, listen, the word consequence, I mean, he goes, man, listen, here's what's going to happen. There's the, the consequences of denying, and we took some time to inspect the foundation, Okay, we want to make sure that's solid. And if you recall, Paul asks the believers who, how could you not believe in the resurrection? Both the resurrection of Jesus and our own resurrection. You go, how could you not believe? Now, again, remember, listen, we don't want to just blindly push that out and go, man, how come you can't believe? What's wrong with you? But we got to get the mindset of what was happening in Corinth. You guys with me? You know, what was the mindset of happening in Corinth? Okay, remember, here's, here's the mindset. Many philosophers in the day, guys, would deny the resurrection of the body. They're going, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't want the body to raise. They would cling, basically, they would cite them to the body was, was the source of man's wickedness and sin. Okay, so the soul is good, wants to praise Jesus. The body is yucky. Uh-uh, that's what makes me have a problem. So why would I want this ugly body to resurrect when I, when, when I'm death? I'm free. I'm free. Amen. Okay, but they were missing what resurrection it was. It was the resurrection of Jesus. So a lot of them, guys, they just, they just embraced what was being taught. While many of the converts of Corinth, guys, listen, they came to faith that way, which is so important. Why? Because we must remember that as you lead people to Jesus, they're coming in with all of their baggage, all of the stuff they've been taught. They're coming in with all of their theological, whatever we've been taught, and they're coming in going, okay, I love Jesus. What now? And, and we, have to, we have to make sure that we, what? We have the word of God. Because he goes, now, now, listen, guys, I know, I know this is what you believe, but 
But here's the thing. There's some, there's some serious consequence, consequences to denying the resurrection. There's some serious, and Paul shows them, man, listen, if you deny the resurrection of Jesus later on, even in our future resurrection, he says, now look at this in verse 13. He says, for there, if there is no resurrection of dead, then Christ has not been risen either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And then over in verse 17, he says, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Wow, guys, listen, you need to understand this is devastating news to us. To, this is devastating. In other words, denying the resurrection. Well, I don't believe. It involves denying the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. And here's what it really means. It means that you're not saved. You're not saved. Paul says, guys, denying that means you have no hope. And your faith is worthless. And your prayers are cold. Now, now listen to this statement. Ready? Not only will we die in our sins, but we'll also live that way as well. Couldn't help but think of some of the, uh, some of the Facebook posts, some of the social media posts that we saw this week. And I don't know how true they are, but you see some lady's cart, you know, stacked up with food and, and, and water and toilet paper and all this stuff this high. And she's looking like mine, 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 mine. But, but I think the believer, the believer is not selfish. The believer is not self-centered. The believer says, not mine. Let me, not only let me look for my, my own interest, but for the interest of others. Well, Ben, you're judging because you don't know what she's going to do with that. I'm just giving you an example. I'm just giving you an example, okay? But that's how people live who have no hope. They might feel like, oh, it's, it's, I've, I've, I've got to survive. What if I get sick? What am I going to do? What if I'm quarantined? What if I have to stay in my house for 14 days? Now listen, all of us in this room are going, man, are you kidding me? I'd love to take a 14-day siesta in my house. You would love that until they made you, right? Until they made you. And then, and then you'd be like, nobody's going to make me stay in my house. I don't have to stay in my house. I don't want to stay in my house. I'm going to start crazy. That's, a, that's, listen, let me just say for the record, when it snows or when it rains, or when it, I cannot stay in my house more than two days. I, I have to, when we had that snowpocalypse there a few years back, do you remember, when there was like 80 feet of snow? Now it's like, what are you doing? I said, I got to go to the store. Why? I just got to get out. I got to see people. I, you don't understand. I just, I'm, anyway, I digress. I'll go back to their text. So we saw the foundation, right? And so we're building the gospel house. Our foundation is laid and inspected. Can I get an Amen. So we're going to put up some walls, guys, and we're going to put up some, oh, it's going to look good. We're going to tape and texture. It's going to look beautiful. Beverly's picked out some great paint for our house. I mean, pretty colors. I mean, it's going to be amazing, okay? So it's going to be good. So if you're taking notes, verses 20 through 28 are divided into three sections, okay? You need to jot this down, okay? Now, listen, I want you to, you're going to look at this and go, man, that's pretty good. You know, homiletically, he's got this down. I can just read. I, I stole this from somebody else. But number one, in verses 20 to 22, you're going to see, we're going to talk about Jesus. He's the Redeemer. Okay? He's the Redeemer. 
Okay? And verses 23, you're going to see the redeemed. We're going to talk about us. We're the redeemed. And then the rest of the chapter, Paul says, let's talk about the redemption. Okay? Now, again, I wish I could take credit. I didn't take credit. I can read. So I just thought I'd steal it and use it. And that's a good right. Okay? We're going to talk about us. We're going to talk about Jesus first. He's the redeemer. We're going to talk about us, redeemed. And then we're going to see the redemption plan. Amen? You guys with me? Okay. So let's talk about Jesus. You guys ready? Let's talk about Jesus. In verse 20, picking it up, it says this, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Okay? Now, after all verses 1 through 19, after Paul goes, here's the foundation, here's the gospel, listen, you have to deny it. Listen, if you're, if you're denying the Christ, you're, your faith is futile, you sh- you're just silly. He says, after all of that, he says, but now... Now, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Guys, this is, if you will, the greatest theological triumph of Paul after preceding argument. You go, well, give it to me in modern terms. It's like taking the mic drop and going, yeah, Jesus did raise from the dead. Boom, game over. That's what he's saying, right? It's the mic drop, Jesus is alive, game over, Christ is Risen, but then he tells us something very interesting, something we need to dig into. He says this, and I want you to notice. He says, Christ has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Very, very, very important. Okay? So let's, let's dissect it a little bit. Let's unpack it. He's talking about first fruits. And to you and I, I mean, we don't walk around and go, hey, where are your first fruits? You know what I mean? We don't, we don't talk like that, so it's a little bit interesting. So you have to kind of figure it out. But, but the, the, the people in, in Corinth would have completely understood that. They would have been, oh, yeah, first fruits. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. This is, this is how we do things. So you go, so when is it? Well, Paul says, now listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. In theological terms, here it is. It means that Christ was this prototype of the resurrection to come. That's what he's saying. Okay, if you recall, in your mind, Leviticus chapter 23, the Lord spoke to Moses and tells him, okay, guys, when the children come into the, the, the land of Israel, okay, and you harvest the fruit, the first fruit belongs to the Lord, the very first fruit. That's what he tells them. This needs to go, and it needs to be reaped, and it needs to give over to the priest. Now, What's really amazing, guys, to us, for you see Christ being the first fruits of all those, and the Bible says, who have fallen asleep. And we have to be real careful. Here's why. Because if we don't dig in the word of God, if we don't really pull it out, here's what happens to us, guys. We'll say, oh, well, people don't die. They just fall asleep. But, but Paul, want, I mean, theologically, we got to unpack this. You guys with me? Okay, so what does he mean, first fruits? Okay, you can jot this down. It says, first fruits means Jesus Christ was the only one to die and to rise from the dead and stay that way. That's what it means, and stay that way. You know why? Because you guys know if you follow the life of Jesus in the ministry at all, you know that he raised other people from the dead. Other people were dead, and Jesus came by, and he said, right? Who's the most famous one we know that we talk about? All right, Lazarus, right? The problem is, is that Lazarus was dead. Four days later, he comes walking out, but he was not going to, he didn't stay that way. He later on died again. Jesus was dead on the cross, buried in the tomb. Three days later, he resurrected and he stayed alive. That's the first fruits, okay? You're just like, wow. 
But what does he mean that those that are, I mean, he's the first fruits of those that have fallen asleep. Okay. So Paul says, now, listen, let me, let me kind of just paint the picture. He says, we know that fallen asleep means dead. Those who have died. Okay. But he gives the connotation of death of the body of the believer. You go, okay, okay. You go, what do you mean? Let me put it this way. If you are born again, you're a believer of Jesus, and you die, your body stays here on earth. That's what happens. Your spirit, if you will, will go to be with Jesus, okay? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, your body stays here. Here's the thing. If you die, then we'll have your funeral, we'll see your body here, and then we'll put your body in the ground. That's what we do. Some people go, well, I want to be cremated. Well, then we'll put your ashes in the ground or we'll, we'll whatever, you, whatever you want to do doesn't make a difference. Your body stays here. But your spirit goes to be with Jesus. Until when? Right? Until, the Bible says, one day when he comes back for us, he says, then we will all receive our new bodies and our resurrected bodies. Okay? So, here's the thing. I think you should be putting your order in now. What kind of body you want? Your resurrected body. Okay? Because you're not, I don't, I don't want this one back. You know what I'm talking about? You know, so you start thinking, all the stuff that you used to like, man, listen, I'd like to be a little bit more muscular, Lord. Maybe, maybe a little bit taller. I wish I had Nate's voice. I mean, that's what I want, Lord. Come on. Come, you know, so we're, we're, we're putting that in now because it's going to be a resurrected body. And I mean, think about a resurrected body. Resurrected bodies are going to be those that kind of like, um, I mean, maybe, maybe we travel at the speed of thought. Hey, man, the Lord needs me to be right back, right? Now I'm back. I mean, I don't know. I mean, but I know we'll be able to walk through walls. I'm, I'm, Jesus did. And I'm just going based on, I mean, that, wouldn't that be cool, right? Nobody would ever talk about you again because you'd be like, what were you saying? You're just talking about me. How did you, how did, hey, man, I can, I can walk through walls. I know what you're saying. I mean, come on, come on. And so, that's the resurrected body. But let me ask you a question. Did you catch it? Pastor, catch what? Did you catch it? If the first Easter that we celebrate every year is the resurrection of Jesus, right? We have a big to-do. We're going to give away bikes. We're going to give a, man, invite your friends. I mean, that's the first Easter, Okay. The third Easter, which is another erection, is yet to come, okay? That's when we're raised from the dead, okay? Bodily resurrection. Have you had your second Easter yet? You go, what's my second Easter? Guys, it's a spiritual resurrection. It's salvation here on earth. And you go, have you got saved? Are you saved? Pastor, I don't, I'm not sure what, what, what that means because, Pastor, I believe in Jesus. I believe, man, I, I mean, I, I know, I see it. I, I, we grew up religious, so I see it. But no, 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 no. Has the Holy Spirit and, and, and just convicted you to a place where you go, man, I want, I, I want Jesus in my heart. I'm ready to confess my sins. I'm ready to give my life to him. Have you been born again from above? That's what he's talking about. See, and that's the beauty of every day Sunday, every day Wednesday, every day at work, you can tell somebody about Jesus and they can have their own beautiful Easter service. 
Think about, pe- think about where you led people to the Lord. I've led people to the Lord in a gym. I've led to let people not work. I've led waitresses to the Lord while they're, sir. I mean, anywhere is there spiritual salvation on earth. Well, we're intellectual people, so we got to go, okay, so talk to us, Paul. So he says, well, let me explain. Look at verse 21. He says, for since by men came death, and by, notice, capital men, also came the resurrection of the dead. Who's Paul talking about here, guys? Jesus. He says, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now, in theological circles, this is known as federal headship. And federal headship, we talked about that when we went through our Roman study, but Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, he says this, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and through death, right, or death through sin, and death spread to all men because all have sinned, okay? He's saying federal headship is because Adam sinned. You guys realize he fractured everything and everyone moving forward. We were born with sin because of Adam. That's the federal headship. But when you get saved, look at me, you come under the federal headship of Christ, And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, now listen, listen. For since by one man, Adam, he said, man, brought in death. Brought in death. He said, but by Jesus, uh, the resurrection from the dead, he says, all shall be made alive. You go, amen. Amen. So what is Paul? Paul deals with two, basically, the, the Bible with two Adams, if you will. Okay? And he uses this argument in five. He says, now the first Adam sin, that death came through the world, but the last Adam, Christ, death has been conquered. Death has been conquered. Now, for my note takers here, okay, here's what he's doing. He's giving us a principal illustration, okay? And you can jot this down. You can put Adam equals natural or physical, okay? That's what he's saying. And, he's, and you go, what does that mean? That means we're all going to die. Now, again, we're, we're going to talk about the rapture here in just a moment, but, but if the Lord tarries because of his grace, we're all going to take our final breath, amen? That's, we're all going to die because we're all in Adam. But he says, now Jesus equals spiritual, meaning that even if we die physically, we'll live on with Jesus until the final resurrection. You go, what does all this mean? Well, we're going to talk about it in a minute, okay, because he's moving to the next point. Let's talk about us. Let's talk about us. In first, verse 23, he says, because each one of, or, but each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits, we've already talked about that. Afterward, those who are Christ's at his coming. Okay, because we've got to do some work here. We've got to do some work, church. Paul gives the order of events. Okay, first and foremost, we saw Jesus come. Okay, understand in your mind, he bankrupted heaven so that we could be saved. He is the first fruit, dies, he was buried, he resurrected. Everybody goes, amen. He says, now, who's next? Afterward, that's us, those who are Christ's at his coming. Okay, what he's talking about, those who are saved, those who are the redeemed. Those who are redeemed. Okay, so we, we know the people, Jesus, us, but he says something, at his coming. At his coming. 
Okay? When is he coming? When did he come? Well, we know that first and foremost, that 2,000 years ago in a little town in Bethlehem, Jesus was born. Okay? He lived 33 years. He died on the cross. He was buried. He resurrected, right? We know all of that through chapter 15. We know that he showed himself to, to the apostles and to Cephas and to 500 at one time and to Paul, but now he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. So that was his coming. You go, okay, so when is he going to come again? Well, again, the, the next order of events is called the rapture of the church. It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 15 and 17. If you guys don't know the story, remember, we're going to be sitting here waiting for the Lord. We're going to hear the trumpet sound. Now, the Bible says who? The dead in Christ will rise first. That's the bodily resurrection. So all of our loved ones who were in Christ, they're going to go first. They're going to come up out of the graves. People we've lost that were in the ocean. Well, I scattered my family, my, my, my brother in the ocean. I scattered his ashes up in the mountains. That's where he'd want to be. Well, God's so good, he's going to go, and he's going to bring this person back into glorified body. That's first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's where we're going to be. That's right. He, he's not going to come to earth, but he's going to come for us. You go, well, what's going to happen after that? It's a tribulation. Seven years of the most horrible, horrific time you could ever imagine. We have to be so careful because people go, well, you know what? I'm living in sin, brother. And you know what? I'll just miss you. That's not how the attitude we should have. Because it's not going to be like, well... I guess I'll see you in seven years. It's going to be horrible. Guys, think about it, guys. Think about it. Now, here's what's got to happen, okay? The next time that he's going to talk about this is called the tribulation saints, okay? The tribulation saints. And these are people who will surrender to Jesus during the tribulation, but the Bible seems to indicate that the only way that you can get saved during that time is if you die, if you're beheaded. Now, listen, I'm going to go out on a limb here, okay? Because I know we talk about the mark and we don't, but listen, I'm going to go out on a limb real quick. I'm not sure if the government or any other authority can make us do anything we don't want to do. You're going, Ben, you're silly. They're making us do stuff now. For our own good, they're putting guidelines and ground rules, and maybe you can't do this, and maybe you shouldn't have church, and maybe we can't have a sporting event. And everybody goes, okay, what do you think it's going to be like when the authorities go, you guys want to eat? You want to eat? Listen, listen. I know that, the, listen, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that when, when the rapture happens and the revelation, we've studied it, guys, 10% of the food supply is only going to be left. 10% is going to be gone. Now, think about this, okay? That means 25,000 people in Lubbock, Texas will get to eat where the other 225,000 will not get to eat, okay? I know this is far-fetched. I know, I know you guys can't wrap your mind around this, but the shelves on the grocery store will be empty, Boom. In a matter of hours. Listen, I get it. You're going, Ben, that could never happen. 
Costco has, no, no, no. And then the Antichrist is going to come and go, hey, listen, we've got you taken care of. All you need to do is get the mark. And, And you can eat. Again, think about it, guys. Think about it. I mean, we could... Ooh, we could go deep into this, but we don't have time. Okay, so the last one is that now Jesus, after seven years, Jesus is going to come back. It's called the millennial reign, and there'll be people who make it through the tribulation who are going to go and have babies. These are called the millennial saints. These are people who give their lives to Jesus. I don't know how that all works, but I know there'll be those people. So you've got, you've got Christ, you've got us in the rapture, and then you've got the tribulation saints, and then you've got those who, as Christ reigns for a thousand years, okay? These are the redeemed. These are the redeemed. Okay, so let's talk about the redemption. After all this, the rapture, the tribulation, the thousand-year reigns, right? The new heaven and new earth. Paul says, then the end comes. Look at verse 24. It says, then the end comes. Then comes the end. And he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is expected, accepted. Now, when all these are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all and all. What's he saying? Okay, here he's talking about this is how the redemption is going to happen. After all of this, guys, Jesus is going to finally put all things under his feet, including death. When Christ defeats the last enemy, death. Everybody say death. Why is that important? Because as I was thinking about this morning, I think, you guys remember what Jesus, you remember what God told Adam and Eve in the garden early? What did he say? He said, man, hey, listen, all these trees, they're yours, man. Have a blast. He says, but don't eat of that tree. Why? Because when you do, you shall surely die. And so that's been the enemy. And so here he's coming back. He goes, no, there's going to be, here's the final one, man. When, when Christ defeats the last enemy, death, then the Bible says he's going to deliver up the kingdom of God to the Father so that he may be all in all. Okay? Adam, Adam and Eve, right? They take the fruit. Oh, look at this, baby. Have some. No, I don't think so, baby. No, really, it's good. And sin comes in. Guess what happened? They died. They didn't die physically, but at that point, they died spiritually on their way to die physically. But what happened at that point is Adam turned over the kingdom, right? Under new management. And now, eventually, Jesus could come back, stamp out death, and say, okay, Lord, here, my father, here's the kingdom back. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. And so Paul remembers, so, to, so, so listen, to deny the resurrection, let me take you back earlier, of the kingdom of Christ, he says, if believers are dead and gone, then God's promise for a future is null and void. You see how beautifully he ties everything in? You see how beautifully and how important it is for us to walk through the scriptures verse by verse, because if we were just to pull out a little bit of verse, we don't get the full context. But he's going, no, 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 listen, this fits in just beautifully like a glove. 
like a glove. Now, we're going to close. Guys, we're going to close. Um, but I want to bring you back a little bit of what we talked about, okay? Nate and the guys are going to come back up and lead us in one last song when we're done. But let's talk. Let's, let's just talk. Let's, let's just put, let's put some meat on our, on our study, okay? We've built some amazing walls and windows, and we got a roof, okay? The walls are tape and textured. Beverly's picked out some beautiful paint, and it's painted. Man, it's, this is the gospel. It's beautiful. Our house, we've got a foundation. We've got walls. We've got windows. Wow, it's great. It's beautiful. I'm ready to move in. You guys ready to move in? You go, what that would be? What, 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 what will that look like? Well, we can't move in until next week. Okay? So let's quickly recap. The walls, the tape, the texture, the paint, guys, that's the Redeemer Jesus. He's the first fruit of our death, and we won't need to be afraid of death anymore. Why? If we die, one day we will resurrect with a brand new body. And I know today we're found in Adam in the natural. But if you've given your life to Jesus... If you've given your life to Jesus, then, then it's spiritual. It's spiritual. You go, what else? In our house, we have a roof, and we have windows, and we have flooring. All right? Born-again believers, guys, those that are fully devoted followers of Christ, will one day be with Jesus forever. And this should be increased to our hearts. Now, listen to me. If it were up to me, the best way to go home is in the rapture. Guys, don't, don't be left behind and be a tribulation saint. Okay, put your faith in God now. Put your faith in God now. Well, Ben, what do I need to do? What must I do? Well, see, here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. You may be here today. And you're thinking, man, you were saying some stuff and you were talking about redeemed and redeemer, talking about Jesus. And listen, the, the honest truth, Pastor Ben, is that I don't know if I have a real relationship with God. I'm not sure if I'm walking. And you guys know this because we've all went through this. Pastor Ben, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't know that if I died tonight that I would go to heaven. I would hope that my religion would save me. I would hope that my, um, just me being a good, uh, oh, I'm not that good, Lord. So I, I don't know. I would hope. And we cross our fingers, don't we? But see, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, here's the good news, that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, confess your sins, it's a work of God's Holy Spirit. He'll come in. He'll forgive you of your sins, man, and he'll make sure your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's what he's saying. So here's my question. Have you had... Have you had your second Easter? We know the first. We're going to celebrate that in four weeks. We haven't had the third because that's coming. But have you had your second? Have you given your life to Jesus? Well, Pastor, no, I, I, well, in a minute, I'm going to give you just a quick opportunity, okay? So let's close our eyes, let's bow our heads, and let's ask the Lord to bless it. Lord, thank you for your Bible. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the first fruits, God. We have peace in our hearts that no virus, no death, no storm, no rain can keep us from your love. We thank you, God, for the first Easter. 
The first Easter makes my second Easter look good, and I look longingly for the third Easter. And so now I pray, God, if there's anyone here that has not surrendered their life to you, but God, through your spirit, only your spirit, they would want to today, I pray you would speak to them right now. With every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben, would you just pray for me? Would you pray for me? I'm not right with God. I want my sins forgiven. I know he doesn't make mistakes. He brought me here, God, to, he brought me here so that I could hear. If that's you this morning, real quick, will you just lift up your hand? Would you say, would you just pray for me, Pastor? I want to give my life to Jesus. And I'll pray for you, and there's no judgment here. We'll just lead you into a prayer. Would you do that for me right now? Would you just lift your hand if you want the Lord to forgive you of your sins and to give you everlasting life? Lord, we thank you this morning. We love you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.